Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. While the current presidential administration has rolled back a lot of climate initiatives and staffing at the EPA is at a historic low, climate change is an issue that is front and center for the Democratic presidential candidates for 2020. It is getting way more attention than in past election cycles. And most candidates have already rolled out plans to reduce greenhouse gases and will not accept campaign contributions from the fossil fuel industry. Here to talk about the various climate change plans being proposed by the candidates is Kimberly not Hill Not. She is an environmental policy activist and president and CEO of Future Insight Consulting. Kimberly, it's always great to have you here with us. Thank you so much today. for having me. Yeah. So Stephen. let's start by talking about this moment in uh, in campaign history, I guess. There, there are there are so many candidates who are focused on this issue. If you think back to um, you know, uh, previous previous presidential elections. I mean, uh, 2000 really seems to be the first time that we heard a, a presidential candidate really start to talk about climate change. But it, it hasn't been the defining issue of a campaign uh, before now. Everybody seems to be focused on it. You know, this is such an exciting time. And, you know, as I led the development of the city of Detroit's climate action plan, one of the things that I would say is that we did it from the ground up by force because we didn't have time to wait on the federal government, uh, state government or local government. And so to hear these candidates um, and to read their uh, some of them very comprehensive plans to address climate change is really encouraging. And also, um the focus on environmental justice and how they're interested in really working with the community to address these issues and the community saying that that is really what we want. We don't want you to dictate to us what we need, but we really want you to partner with us in addressing this growing crisis. Yeah. Um, aside from talk of climate change, we're also seeing more on the subject among lawmakers in D.C., namely through this uh, Green New Deal introduced by uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and uh, Senator Edward Markey. However, that's just a resolution. Uh, do you think? Do you see anything in symbolic in the deal as far as our collective priority to do something about climate change and economic inequality? Is this a step forward? I believe that the Green New Deal is very interesting and unique because it addresses so many issues that really impact urban communities. So when you think about green infrastructure, uh, you look at uh, climate change, jobs, the creation of jobs, and really uh, creating a pathway out of poverty, I think, is really one of the things that's most attractive about addressing climate, uh, excuse me, the Green New Deal. In addition to that, really talking about uh, the inequities and how we make sure that we develop a plan that addresses uh, the communities that are most impacted by uh, climate change, particularly low income and communities of color. So I think it's attractive because of those reasons. And what's so interesting is to see how many candidates are saying, you know, one of the things that I would do if elected is to make sure that we pass the Green New Deal. And there have been quite a few candidates who have made that commitment. So mm. that's really impressive. And it just really goes to show the power of um, this 
new group of leaders who have come into Congress who are just saying, you know, we're not waiting for 100 days to put our plans forward. We believe that we have uh, the uh, responsibility to act now. And that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah. Okay. let's get to some of the plans that some of the candidates have rolled out. Let's listen to a clip from Senator Kamala Harris from February of this year. She talked about her support for the Green New Deal and uh, and what its goals were. I care about the environment, not mayor, not because I have any particular desire to hug a tree, but I have a strong desire to hug a healthy baby. And this literally comes down to clean air and clean water. And we have got to take this seriously, and it is imminent as a threat unless we correct course and do some serious work on changing our behaviors and adapting to what we know we can do. It is within our power to do it. Hmm. So, I mean, that's a really great example of the kind of uh, really uh, full-throated support that we're seeing uh, among these candidates for for president. Um, React to what she's saying there about why, why we ought to be in favor of climate uh, action. You know, what really caught my attention is when she said, I'm not really into hugging trees, but hugging healthy babies. (laughs) That's something that really um, has a ring. And so what's interesting about Senator Kamala Harris is that as the district attorney for San Francisco, she actually established the first environmental justice office. And so I think that, um, you know, she has a bend towards really focusing on justice and, uh, it's interesting to review her plan, although it's not as comprehensive as some of the others. It's good to see that she also recognizes that this is um, an important plan to endorse. Not only that, so the, the the Green New Deal also focuses on raising wages. And so when I talk about, you know, moving people out of poverty or providing a pathway out of poverty, these are major issues uh, that uh, more and more uh focus is being put on as we address climate change. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that that's happened over the last few years is that we've taken some steps backward uh, as the Trump administration has undone some of the things that the Obama administration and even earlier uh, presidencies got done. And a lot of times the danger then is that we see progress as just getting back to where we were. We lose sight of the fact that we still have uh, a really a really long way to go. Uh, I want to play another clip uh, from the Detroit debates uh, where Vice President Joe Biden is being asked about fossil fuel and coal with some pushback from Washington Governor Jay Inslee. And I want to know whether you think uh, Biden would be aggressive enough uh, on this issue. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration? No, we would we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated and no more subsidies for either one of those, either any fossil fuel. We can't we cannot work it out. We cannot work this out. The time is up. Our house is on fire. We have to stop using coal in 10 years and we need a president to do it or it won't get done. Get off coal. Save this country and the planet. That's That's what I'm for. Okay, so you heard Jay Inslee there get after Joe Biden for saying he wanted to work it out, quote unquote, on on fracking and some 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 other things. Is Biden sort of uh, out front enough on on these issues? 
Well, I certainly think that Governor Inslee is a lot more aggressive in his approach, and we'll talk about that a little later, Mm -hmm. um, and has kind of really been in this game for a while now. And so you'll see the support that he has from many environmental leaders. But uh, Vice President, former Vice President Biden, has actually um, stated that he will demand a worldwide ban on fossil fuel subsidies. And that seems to be a consistent theme among many of the presidential candidates. I believe he will be strong. Um, When you look at what happened during uh, President Obama's administration, and in fact, in his own words, saying that he would go further than President Obama with a clean power plan, um, re-entering the Paris uh, Climate Agreement, um, you know, really focusing on uh, transitioning to 100 percent clean energy uh, by 2050. And so, you know, his plan is very comprehensive. There's a lot of information. <laughs> and so I believe that he would be aggressive, um, particularly if he puts the right people in place. I would like to see him focus more on environmental justice and equity. I yeah. don't think he focuses enough on that. And so perhaps he would be willing to sit down with some leaders to really talk about uh, how to incorporate those issues into his plan. Yeah. Let's talk about Jay Inslee, who we had on the program when they were here in Detroit. He is the the candidate who's kind of made this his signature issue, even more so than 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 the others. Uh, At the same time, I think a lot of people hear what he says and, and they think, well, that's just too radical. We can't do all of that or it would hurt business too much to do those things. What do you think of the of the ideas he's put on the table? Well, I mean, the fact that he's a governor and he wants to really expand the work that he's done um, in his state, I think, uh, speaks volumes. Obviously, he has businesses uh, in his state. And so he's been able to appease them. I think the move that he's making um, is is radical, but it's achievable. Mm. And so when you look at the, uh, you know, council, White House Council on Environmental Quality, I've actually had the opportunity to meet with the uh, director of that department under Obama's administration. Um, I think it it would be awesome if they really focused on environmental justice. I thought that was a really interesting issue. And one of the uh, people who actually commented on uh, Governor Inslee's plan was Mustafa Ali and just really in, coming from the EPA and really talked about the importance of having legislation to back it up. Hmm. So if he's able to work with Congress and able to work across the aisles to really get um, some legislative support, I think that this would be um, really a moment in time for the environmental justice movement and really for the environment in general. Yeah. My guest is Kimberly Hill Not. She's an environmental policy activist and president and CEO of Future Insight Consulting. We are talking about the plans that Democratic presidential candidates have laid out so far to deal with climate change. There are a lot of plans and almost every candidate has had something really substantive to say about climate change. Uh, That's a real difference between this cycle and former presidential cycles where this was not a signature issue. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Tell us which candidates are saying things that you like about how to approach the environment and climate. What issues do you want them to talk more about? And how important is the environment when it comes to your vote? Is that one of the things that's really going to decide it for you in 2020? Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. It's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today 
and uh, we'll work you into the conversation. I want to play another clip from Elizabeth Warren, Senator Elizabeth Warren, um, who has a, a plan for climate change that includes all of this research, $2 trillion of investment in research for technologies to address climate change. Let's listen to what she said. We then say anyone in the world can use it so long as you build it right here in America. That will produce about 1.2 million manufacturing jobs right here in Michigan, right here in Ohio, right here in the industrial Midwest. Okay, uh, Senator Warren saying essentially that it's sort of a link up between the idea of fighting climate change and maybe jumpstarting the economy a little bit. Is she on the right track there? Absolutely. And what's interesting about Senator uh, Elizabeth Warren is that she reportedly was one of the first presidential candidates to sign the no fossil fuel pledge, um, meaning she will not accept any money from companies that are affiliated with the fossil fuel industry. In addition to that, what's impressive about her plan is the climate risk disclosure plan, which would require companies to publicly disclose both uh, actually the climate-related risk that their companies uh, may have or be exposed to. Mm -hmm. So I think she's really, really uh, put a lot of thought into it. She's been on the front lines for a while talking about uh, climate change and and really uh, its impact on the most vulnerable communities. And she was an original uh, supporter of the Green New Deal. So I believe that um, uh, she's very genuine in her uh, support of uh, climate change, and I believe that she would continue to be a strong supporter yeah. and is one of the strongest supporters and has one of the most impressive plans. So so Corey on Twitter says, Tulsi Gabbard's Off Fossil Fuels Act is really good. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard's not getting a lot of attention in the presidential contest, but that is that is an interesting idea that uh, we could we could legislate our way to getting off fossil fuels. But, you know, when you talk to people about that, I mean, I think that's one of the things that really scares people, this idea of getting away from the way that we uh, use and count on energy today. Lots of people think it's going to cost jobs. And then, of course, they believe that uh, it'll mean inconvenience, right? We won't have all of the things at the ready that we have now. Yeah, and I think that that's one of the things that I like about – Elizabeth Warren, Senator Warren, is the amount of money that she's investing in research and development because that's what it's going to really take to really transition to uh, 100% renewable energy. Uh, How are we able to really store the power that's generated through solar? Uh, What are the technologies that are needed to help us advance in that direction? What I also like about some of the candidates, uh, Tom Steyer also is somebody that we must talk about. Uh, is how they're talking about really uh, diversifying the economy and helping businesses to be able to compete in this emerging economy. Hmm. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to Paula in Southwest. Paula, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. Thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wanted to make a point about how vital it is to focus on environmental justice and then the environment, or I would want to say uh, ecology as a whole, not in either or. I'm not saying that that was said, but Mm -hmm. I want to emphasize that because we need to develop 
an ecological consciousness among us. And without that change of mind, and I call it a change of mind and a change of heart, recognizing that this is our only home and that we are all one, um, we're just going to be doing this segment and that segment. So I think it can be a both end as we address those critical issues and a broader critical issue of knowing we have responsibility for the whole. Yeah. Uh, Paula, I really appreciate the call and uh, and the, the the comments. I think that's a really great insight. Uh, Kimberly, before we have to break, I want to play one more quote from the Detroit debate. This is uh, Andrew Yang uh, saying, it's too late when we talk about climate change. The important number in Vice President Biden's remarks just now is that the United States is only 15% of global emissions. We like to act as if we're 100%, but the truth is even if we were to curb our emissions dramatically, the earth is still going to get warmer. And we can see it around us this summer. The last four years have been the four warmest years in recorded history. This is going to be a tough truth, but we are too late. We are 10 years too late. We need to do everything we can to start moving the climate in the right direction, but we also need to start moving our people to higher ground. And the best way to do that is to put economic resources into your hands so you can protect yourself and your families. Hmm. Um, is it too late? I don't think it's too late. I, I do believe that we're starting to um, run out of time. And it's interesting. Uh, I remember Andrew Yang's comments and then looking at his climate plan. It, it was surprising to hear him say that. Hmm. Um, I think that economic empowerment is very important. I think that the ideal, the actual idea of elevation is an interesting issue and uh, one that has been uh, discussed in many communities, particularly uh, with FEMA and the FEMA maps. And so how do we invest in infrastructure? How do we invest in development, the next phase of economic development, uh, and make sure that um, climate adaptation planning is part of that? Um, and that would mean developing elevation plans to move people to a higher level, but I, he's talking about elevation in terms of economic empowerment. So I don't think it's too late. I think that um, we are, we're on a good track. We have to do a lot more. That's why it's so important that we put the right person in office. But I think kind of the doom and gloom uh, message is, is not as accurate. Mm. I, obviously it's urgent, but I mean, to say that we can't do anything means that we should, you know, almost throw up our hands it's right now and just stop, right? <laughs> you know, with any legislation, with yeah. any work that's being done at any level of government and certainly in the communities. And I do not subscribe to that belief. Okay, Kimberly Hill not. It is always great to catch up with you here on Detroit Today. Thanks for coming by. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, up next, we're going to have a conversation with Beth Gardner, the author of a new book about air pollution and how it impacts all of us. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019 is the number. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today.